So uh, I bought a pair of Nikes the other day. No. I did. It happened. Wow. Not even Under Armour, huh? So I am. I am. <clears throat> I'm also sick. Is, uh, that, I'm is s- that brought to us by Under Armour? It is. It is actually. I was wearing my Under Armour shorts the other day when it was 49 degrees to walk the dog, which is how you get like this. When I should have been wearing the Under Armour sweatpants, which is what I've switched to winter uniform now, which is Under Armour sweatpants and sweatshirt. Um, but I did I'm, buy Nike. I'm an Under Armour polo. They are super comfortable, but I have Nike shoes on the way, Russ. I've got some nice Under Armour polo on today. Very proud of it. Um, I... I did a um, a little poll, Kyle, okay. and it, it is it is not good for you. I know. Um, let's say I surveyed. It, it had to be close to a hundred people. It, at children least or people. At, at least a hundred. <laughs> children or people. Uh, like well, I guess we'll say they're children. I suppose. Hundred kids, uh, all different walks of life. Many were athletes. And I threw it out to them. If you couldn't pick Nike and you had to pick between Under Armour and Adidas, what would you wear? Uh, when it came to shoes to wear to school, Adidas was almost unanimous. When it came to shoes to wear for performance, uh, there were a few kids who said Under Armour. I believe they were football players, which kind of spoke to my point. When it, came to a, when it came to apparel, shirts and such to wear... That's where Under Armour had like a little bit more of a resurgence, Damn but straight. for the, but that was more for the argument of when it's getting cold outside and we're looking for performance stuff to wear under a jersey than you are Under Armour, which is exactly what I think anybody would have expected. Okay, well look, so it was I'm weird. Little... It, it was definitely it was definitely a little bit eye opening. I expected the soccer players to go Adidas, but I was surprised by the amount of basketball players who also chose Adidas. So. Uh, I don't know what demo Under Armour is going for right now, but if it's if it's suburban, you know, outside of Philadelphia <laughs> kids, then it does not look good for uh, for UA. I I am willing to cede that I uh, I was wrong, and after we did the podcast yes. on Monday, I googled under I just googled Under Armour and hit news looking for some fodder to throw in your faces. And the first thing that came up was a just it was all stories based on this one um, bit of research from Piper Jaffrey, which is a financial research firm, which determined that something like 75 percent of young people say that Under Armour is not as cool today as it was several years ago, something to that effect. Uh, And that is their was their dominant Google News headline over the last week. And that came out last week, which is very unfortunate timing for me. So. I'm willing to see that I'm wrong. I'm not going to stop wearing Under Armour. Like I said, I've switched to winter um, winter uniform, which is Under Armour sweatpants and sweatshirt. And as you guys noticed in the picture from the media football game last year, my Under Armour sneakers, they will, they will be making a return this year. What you did not see in that photo was the Under Armour shorts. The logo was hidden. Um, however, I bought Nikes. I've been into running. I got the Nike Apple Watch, so I've been running a little bit more lately and decided that... All this talk about Under Armour shoes, maybe uh, maybe there's something to it. Maybe I should buy some Nike running shoes, which uh, which I did. So Wait, congratulations, specialty... guys. Hold on. There's a specialty Nike watch? <clears throat> there's like an Apple sport watch that's in Nike edition, yes. So how much more is that versus the regular one? It's actually the exact same price as the oh, regular sport bad. one. 
right. No, it comes with a Nike band, a uh, n- n- couple Nike watch faces, and preloaded with the Nike running app. It's a good little marketing thing. I, You would think it would cost more. It does not. And yeah, uh, I was getting ready like to jump all over you for it, but no. Nope. Nope. I'm not a blind consumerist. Man, right. all this talk. So, Kyle, I went to work uh, on Monday, Uh-oh. and, I'm, and I, I went over to Tall Maurice, who I know you know well. Yes. And I said, uh, so Kyle this morning, we were talking between Adidas and Under Armour. And he goes, please don't tell me he thought Under Armour was cooler. And I said, <laughs> you nailed it. He goes, I got to contact him. That's that's not okay. I said, I know. I said, he's just, he doesn't get it, Maurice. He doesn't get it. We had a good laugh. So thank you for allowing me and my coworkers to really enjoy life. Thank you, Kyle. See, I will take Maurice's opinion on this. He seems infinitely cooler than any of us. So, um. I don't even oh, know who Maurice exactly. is, but I'm assuming if his name is Maurice and he pulls it off, that that's got to be correct. Maurice, yeah. Uh, holy crap, flyers! Like, what? What is going on? I love that setup. That's great. It wasn't as great as the Nolan Patrick setup on a goal to uh, Dale mm. Weiss, but it was. It was pretty good. Did, uh, My did first you... thought on that assist was, fuck Nico. <laughs> I legitimately had a moment yesterday where I went and I Googled uh, Nico's stats uh, while I was driving, which was a bad idea. And then I forgot to actually you know, pull up the last link. So I don't know how Nico's doing. But the first article that I had Googled said that uh, Nico and the Devils are still expecting their offense to eventually show up. So I'm assuming that they've been finding their own struggles. Um, this Flyers team he goes has four at, assists in six games. He's not exactly like shitting the bed here, and he's 18 years old. No, I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying that like they're off. Yeah, let him goal. have his success. Whatever. Nolan, Nolan, damn, Nolan? Adam, Adam to Mount Rushmore. So is that is he gonna like take over your number one Flyers uh, uh, power ranking, Adam? No, my is number one like- power ranking is Wayne Simmons because everyone disrespects him for some reason. So I'll well, be the only one who likes him. Everybody have a moment of silence for the now injured Wayne Simmons and Joel Embiid. Do we know how bad it is? No. Um, I saw it. There was something. Somebody tried to highlight it last night. Um, it looked like on his last shift. Well, there were two things. So he got in a fight, which he obviously crushed a guy. Uh, and then afterwards, he'd come out to kill a couple penalties. But it looked like after, um, like at the very tail end of his last shift, it looked like his left leg, it didn't buckle or anything, but it looked like he just kind of came up wincing. Um, he might have pulled something. They, of course, called it the lower body injury. So we will never know how, how severe it is until they make a, a final decision. But, well, they won like, last night. What was the final? 5-1? Yeah. Damn. The, the, on the empty netter goal was uh, absolutely fantastic. Phil Pula took the faceoff at the far blue line faceoff dot. Lost the draw straight up, just straight up lost it. Don't even think he touched a puck, and um, and um, <clears throat> I forget who he's going against. Wanted directly back down the ice in dead center into the middle of his net. Wait, yeah, the why. guy, it, the yeah, guy Jim, won the the won the face off into his own net. Yeah, from so Jim, across the ice. Yeah, that's Jim, incredible. Jim Jackson was like losing his mind that Philpola had this amazing goal, and every time the replay came up, I'm like, did he really touch it? My wife's like, no, that definitely was not. That was not Phil Pula. And sure enough, it was uh, whoever he was going in the circle against. Flyers fans are now yelling 
at this podcast for us not knowing the name. Apologies. Yeah, whatever. Uh, that's amazing. So what's the record now, Russ? Uh, oh, you're putting know. Russ on the spot. That ain't yeah, cool. yeah, I know, I know, I should know. That ain't uh, cool. I want to say two, uh, two, they, two, 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 two. No, they don't have. They have one regulation loss, don't they, or is it two? Yeah, I think this they're three, one, two. That's my oh, guess. I'm on the wrong. Uh, four, two, four and two. They're four and two, with no overtime losses. Sick. That's not bad. It's not but bad. You know they play some good teams. When you, consider, when you consider they started the, the season with four on the road, that's, exactly. that's a pretty legit. That's uh, what we're saying with the Eagles. And they've, whipped up on, uh, and they've whipped up on two opponents at home now in pretty impressive fashion. So, Of course, they are only behind. Right now, they're in fourth in the Eastern Conference. I know it's way too early to have this discussion, but uh, one of the it teams is. that they that they beat, the Capitals, are now below them. Of course, you've got the Penguins, the defending champions. Who the Penguins made some weird moves in the offseason. The Devils, led by Nico, are in second, and the Blue Jackets are in first. But um, good but, start uh, to the season. The nice thing this year, uh, to the point about Wayne Simmons, is the team is not as, nearly as reliant on Wayne as they they have been in the past. So if he were unfortunately to go down for a week, they have enough depth to be able to to make it work. They've gotcha. got. They've got he beat the crap out of that guy. Yeah, it, it, it was. Look, at this point, Wayne Simmons is the embodiment of uh, Doug Glatt. Are you, Doug, do you, you know and your Doug wife, do you and your wife watch the whole game together? Yep. And she That's watches? Cool. Yep. So what was going on during the Simmons fight? I mean, we we were essentially quoting the movie Goon. Uh, Wayne Simmons. Your wife a hockey fan? Of God. Yeah, she's a big hockey fan. Oh wow! God, you guys she, are you guys like, are so in love. So that was well. The interesting thing is when we first started. Would dating, you fight Wayne Simmons to, to prove your love to your wife? No, because she would Damn. already know. No, because she would know I'd get crushed. Yeah, but I mean, if she I, was like, yeah, but do it for me. Uh, no. We're getting in the we're getting in the weird territory. I mean, here. hey, in fairness, I'd like, fight who, for your wife. Honestly, Let's be honest, going they're to, inviting Wayne Simmons gonna fight into the Wayne. bedroom. Whoa. Well, technically, technically, yeah, because we were streaming the third period on the tablet, so technically the entire Flyers team. God, that right there is married life to a T. (laughs) Awesome. Well, this is the problem because. What you guys do last night? Stream the Flyers game on a tablet in the room. So we were watching. We were watching the uh, Flyers game, and then I saw investor Jeff in Slack write about Gordon Gordon Hayward. It's a. It's a mirage. And I was no stop. And I was like. Oh my God! What happened with Gordon Hayward? And then I flip over to TNT, and Ugh. I hear, uh, was it Kevin Harlan or was it Marv Albert? Kevin Harlan. He's broken his ankle. He has broken his ankle. And you're like, oh geez. He actually like, said his. Oh no, leg. so I broke his leg. Yeah, yeah, Which broke his leg. Broke his leg. And then if you like, I I kept going back on to like try to catch the moment because it, at one point it just looked like he landed with his his leg bent and and nothing really should have fractured the way that it did. And then there was a different angle where it's like, oh, no, his ankle should not be turned that way. And yeah. somebody somebody had said, it, could this be just like the Ronald Darby thing? And it looked totally different. No, it was different. The, the, the Darby injury looked like it could have just been a dislocation. This was a straight-up fracture, oh. like a straight-up break. And it almost looked like the bone should have popped through the sock. Like, we're almost so going a compound fracture. I was last night, uh, me and my girlfriend are now two and a half months into uh, living the dream of Taco Tuesday. Mm. Uh, I'm really proud of this, uh, whether we've had them at home or gone out. So last night we decided to go out to this bar 
and uh, Mexico, which is a little overrated. Uh, but I'm sitting there and I'm watching the Yankees game and the basketball game. And I look up and I see everyone on the court is like upset. Like Dwayne Wade is praying and LeBron James is upset. And I look at my girlfriend and I go, someone just is lost for the season. And I'm just trying to eliminate who it could be by who they show being upset. Like, okay, it's not LeBron. It's not Wade. I go, oh my God, did Kyrie Irving get hurt? And then they show the highlight, and then I see Gordon Hayward go down with his leg behind him, and I stand up and I go, Gordon Hayward's out for the season. <laughs> and like two people like look at me, they're like, what? And then I realize like it's not a sports bar, like it's like a fancy Mexican drinking bar, <laughs> and no one knows who Gordon Hayward is. I'm like, okay. And then I look up and they show Gordon Hayward's like foot sideways. I go, ah. And my girlfriend's like, what? And I was like, oh, never mind. The Yankees took the lead. That was cool. Because it all happened like one time, like Kyle was saying before we started. But, man, that thing was five minutes into a new season. Gordon Hayward goes down. That's just it's just tough. This is this is one of those uh, you're going to remember where you were moments. So since we're all sharing, you know. I'm, yeah, it's I'm, like Kevin Ware. It's like Sean Livingston, if you guys remember those moments. I don't remember the Livingston one. I definitely remember the oh, Kevin Ware one. To me – to me, nothing. It's going to be really tough for anyone to ever rival that Kevin Ware entry. That was Paul George one was scary, but the Kevin Ware oh, one Kevin I Ware think one was disgusting. But no one was, was all... watching Paul George. It was like exactly. A random, yeah. yeah, Kevin yeah. Ware's a lot like this one, where Kevin Ware was Elite Eight, Duke versus Louisville, huge game, and it was like a four o'clock on a Sunday. So it's like, how are you not watching it? This one I can understand, like a Tuesday night, even though it is the NBA or the NBA season opener. So when he, um, I, I was, I had actually flipped over to the Yankees game at that point. I was going Yankees Flyers, and I was like, all right, I'll pick up the basketball game as it gets good. Um, Yankees take. I turned to Yankees game on at the exact right moment. Judge hits the ball off the wall. Of course, a Yankees fan interferes with it, even though it didn't matter. Gregorius, my new favorite player, my new favorite name to say. Who you didn't even know was the guy. Correct. Uh, takes the lead. So uh, Yankee, uh, fun, exciting baseball is back in New York. I hate the Yankees, but I do. I was there Monday game. night. Really? You were? I was there for game three. Oh, dun, 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 dun. Did you get a media dun, pass for that? Or did no, you that's just the benefit of, of my boss being like, you want to go to the, the, the Yankees game? And I was like, okay, deal. So I went there with three other guys, and we had some drinks, and I ate a hot dog. That. And, a, and I had some vegan taquitos. It's oh, good. I'll tell you, I would love to go to a Yankees playoff game at one point in my life. Oh, dude, it I was agree. great. There was a – I was 10 rows back from Robert Kraft. Uh, and I just want to tell you that his hair is luxurious. Like if you were sitting behind Zeus, you'd be like, ah, look at those flowing locks. And we had an Astros fan in our section that was somehow yelling at Yankees fan. And to hear Yankees fans' voices with true Yankees fans, there's there's this Yankees, there's this New York accent that I just can't even do. And when they get pissed, it's so wonderful. Because it's like, get the fuck out of here, you motherfucker, with your dumb fucking face. And I was like, yeah, yell at him. All of them. All of them. It was great. And, dude, to watch Aaron Judge, like... Monday night, like catching, like diving for a ball and diving against the wall and then hitting a home run. Amazing. It was great. I'm not going to lie. When he hit that ball off the, 
Well, first of all, where were you sitting? Third baseline, like really, like not even third baseline, like kind of behind home plate. They were like very high ranking Turner people's seats. Uh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it worked out well. Nice. Uh, I don't like the Yankees, but man, I like the Yankees being in the playoffs this agreed. late. Yes, it's yeah. they're they're awesome to to admire from a distance and hate when it actually comes down to it. It's yeah, baseball it's not is just admire. baseball's just, just better. It's, oh, yeah, I do. It's, like it's I, an event. I, it's an I event. look at a historic franchise and I'm like, yeah, like I I hate I hate the Celtics. I don't really admire the Celtics, but I I respect that they have a lot of history. It's the same thing with the Yankees. Like, yeah, like I got to go to the Cubs World Series game three last year. It was just like the first one in Wrigley, and I don't give a fuck about the Cubs. But I was in there, and I was just—I actually appreciated it. I think more than a lot of people there, because I just was watching everything. Like I was like, "Look at the grandstands! Look at like, look at all the fans!" And people were like, "Wow, you're like really taken aback by all this." And I was like, "Yeah, because like this is Wrigley. Like, are you kidding me?" Now, secretly, I was rooting for them to lose because I—I'm kind of an anarchist. Uh, and I wanted to see everybody upset, and they did, and it was kind of great. But I agree, like those historic teams are—they're a pleasure because it's just you know it means more. Now, whose tickets were they? Say Turner people. Jesus Christ! Baseball was better when the Cubs were were like the hundred eight year losers. Kyle, Kyle, it's good. Somebody blew that. Kyle, it's good to be one of only two front facing talents for a major media company. Because yeah, then they're like, they're like, they're like, who do I want to hang out with during this baseball game? How about that crazy Lefko fuck? Okay, that sounds like a good idea. Fly him to Chicago. So you flew to Chicago for the game? I was. I had to go there for like a sales speech thing to kind of give them our new deck. Which again, I hate the phrase deck. I really again, I don't know what my job is half the time. <laughs> um, but last night was also I'm in a contract negotiation, so that helped too. Um, oh, that's always fun. Uh oh. Hey man, discuss the details hold out. openly on the podcast. Hold out. Do not have an injury. Do not become the new OBJ. Guys, we're we're a few months into this. Yeah, <laughs> we're right. deep. Um, um, hey, really? Like, oh, go ahead, Kyle. I, no, I was I was just gonna say same deal with the Yankees. Dislike them, but when when Judge hit that ball off the wall last night, I was screaming "All rise!" in my family room, and oh then I hated I hated myself after I did that. I did, but. It's hard to not get caught. My up dream in. scenario is that you yelled "All rise," and then your wife went "What?" and you were like "Nothing," and she was like "No, say it to me," and you were like "No, it's really nothing," and she was like "Are you going to do this again where you just don't say it?" and you're like "God damn, I said all rise." She's like "What does that even mean?" and then never mind. I just imagine I, I, I was actually to shockingly close to what happened because she was in the kitchen. She's like, she's like, "What?" I was like, yeah, "It's just the." Never mind. The, the, the judge guy from the Yankee, I told you. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. His name's Judge. I wish he was here because we could sell T. She does our T-shirt, so I'm like, if he was here, we could sell All Rise. Never. It's fine. He's, he plays in New York. Yes. That makes me so happy. <laughs> um, so back to basketball really quick last night. So Hayward breaks his ankle. Uh, uh, Cleveland wins, which isn't really surprising. It ended up being closer than I think we expected. But how about the Golden State game? Yeah, I turned it on. They were beating. I watched the whole first half, and they were beating that ass. And then Houston came back. And then I wake up this morning and see Houston won. And Wait, I'm like, what? what? Houston won. Yeah. Houston, Houston won one twenty-two <laughs> to one twenty-one. But get this. Stop. So Kevin Durant. Yeah. So Kevin Durant goes up for a shot. 
Very reminiscent of the TJ McConnell shot over Carmelo Anthony last year. Oh, who uh, could forget? Short game. corner, you, right side. Yep. So uh, Durant pulls up. Let's go. A beautiful little mid-range J. Swish. Everybody goes nuts. Oracle Arena is ready to like the pop. The top is about to pop off. And then they go back to to review it. And with like, I think it was probably like as the clock went down, he probably released it about two tenths of a second too late. Oof. And and Houston ends up holding on for the 122-121 win. But Chris Paul missed the end of the game with a sore knee. Uh, Houston is going to be a very interesting story this year. The uh, the way that, that Chris Paul and James Harden are expected to play off one another. Um, I'm surprised that they found so much success that early. I don't know if you make the argument that it was because Golden State was in the midst of getting their rings and it was a, uh, you know, all that kind of fanfare. Oh like no, because no. like Nick down, Young but, had yeah. like four threes in the first half, and their offense was clicking. F- I mean, I was surprised Houston kept it in it, but I know that Kerr was like rotating everybody. Like he played ten deep in the first quarter, which is wild. Yeah, That's he was just like yeah. trying to see, like, all right, who do who are our new guys? Swaggy P just launching ludicrous three-pointers and them going in. It's like when you go to the Warriors, something happens to you where those shots just magically start falling. Yeah, it's called you're wide open because there's four other guys on the floor that could shoot. But it wasn't. He had guys draped all over him. He was throwing up his his same old bullshit, and they were going in. It was awesome. I was actually really enjoying it. And Clay Thompson in the first quarter, somehow his shooting stroke has gotten better. He's going to look so good in the Sixers uniform in two years. Mm-hmm. It's so del- so good. He's just going to seamlessly slide right into J.J. Reddick's role. So mm-hmm. good. His okay. stroke is disgusting. It Did is you so almost call disgusting. it delicious? He almost said call it delicious. Did he, I? Yeah. yeah no, that's not bad. I think that's a great word. It's, it is. It's tasty. Almost as good of a word as Embiid. Uh, my friend Dan texted me yesterday and said, why do I get the feeling that cornrow Embiid is even more dangerous than Afro Embiid? I and I said, I said, aerodynamics. See, you know, Embiid, Embiid looks like a man possessed. With see, I, I got to be honest here. I saw Embiid's cornrows, and I first went, I went Andrew Bynum. Oh, yeah, that's fair. I'm only thinking right now that I do think the Afro adds a lot of height, and I'm yes. wondering what he's going to look like without it, because that was like an extra four or five inches. Like it made him look seven six. And it's but unique. It's the, it's he looks that's cool. The, that's the Ben Wallace effect, right? Like back. Back when Ben Wallace was a legitimate center. Now Ben Wallace also did do the cornrows. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Ben I, Wallace I like- is the ultimate athlete. Where when I watched him, I would have swore he was seven feet tall, and then everyone told me he was like six eight. Yep. And I was like, I don't know, guys. I think he's seven feet tall. Uh, but yeah, I Ben Wallace went cornrows too, and it made him look shorter. I don't. I don't like the cornrows. I, I'm gonna just go on record here. Hot take. Like I want him to go with like the Dr. J Fro. Yeah, he was he was just like, looking so awesome. good. That was his look. Like it was his look. If he comes out with with uh what did what did Bynum do with a half half cornrow, oh, half, half fro? Cornrow, half fro one year, that was bad. I I was, was going to tweet I was going to tweet you never go full Bynum, but then like that's just a slippery slope because you can't look like a a mush with the Sixers right now. So I I didn't do it. But I, I don't you like it. Be, be I was listening to uh, I think it was like last week when the when the Embiid contract first happened. I went and listened to Rosillo and Zach Lowe, and they're talking about the Embiid contract. And then Rosillo goes, "Now don't say anything bad about the Sixers fans. They're like the worst. They're like the most intense fan base in the NBA." And I think he may have even said worst too, but. What is our perception 
nationwide like are we like i always thought it was fun and like ridiculous and like enjoy the process do a lot of people complain about sixers fans is this a thing those journalists are afraid yeah the journalists are afraid bill simmons talked about this on their podcast they called us i think fucking nuts part of the thing is all national people i think with any sport realize that philly fans are just crazy on Twitter, just absolutely crazy. More yeah, than Kyle, any what other is city. our presence on social media? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's we have a larger Twitter cabal than any sports city. I don't even think it's close. The fact that I spend my entire days in it every day for the last seven years kind of makes me want to reevaluate my life because there's so many knuckleheads, but everyone is such a hardcore fan. Like you can't pull one over on anybody. And with the national media, they know that if they say something, we're going to get these little pockets of Twitter people that are going to pop up. And back in the day, not back in the day, but like when Twitter was first getting big, it was Philly's Twitter that really sort of owned, they owned Philly. And it kind of coincided with the good years of the Phillies. It coincided with the good yep. years of Phillies, with the rise of Twitter. And if you even notice, like some like OG Philly Twitter accounts were Phillies tweeters back in the day. A lot of fightings guys, stuff like that. And they had a loud and intense group. And now I think you're getting – I think the media feels some of the hardcore process guys who – are just now like anyone who ever said anything bad about the Sixers or it's like our day in the sun. And they're afraid of that because they know that we rally. Like name me another city where there are multiple popular independent websites and podcasts and Twitter accounts and two sports talk radio stations. Like the amount of organic fan driven organization whatever you want to call it whether it's a podcast or just like groups of twitter people it is unrivaled it is unrivaled around the country i don't care what fan base it is it's it's crazy and the national media notices that because you can't say anything and to them i would say imagine like living here and and when and doing this every day because no matter what you write in philly and this is why people like i think eskin and missinelli over the years get so jaded and, you know, they bring some of it on themselves. But no matter what you say or do in Philly, you just piss off like 40% of fans in one way or another. And you hear it. Now you hear yeah. about it. And it's pretty The Sixers thing is different. Like, I, I do you think that the Sixers fan base is different? Like, where the, the process Sixers... crowd is very different. Well, because that's, but that's only part of it now. So I think, like, Maybe six years ago, you probably could have, you would have probably said the Eagles fans and the Flyers fans are are equally insane and awful to be around, and then it probably would have been Sixers were like kind of happy go lucky, and Phillies fans were pretty were pretty nice. Like if you would think about going to the ballpark, like Citizens Bank Park was a, a good decent place to take your family. It could get intense, especially in in those really great years if it felt like guys were underachieving. But like for the most part. The, the Sixers and the uh, and the Phillies were enjoyable places to go, and, and the fans weren't awful. But with the, the advent of the process crowd, the process crowd that originally had kind of started as this this underground group of, of quiet introverts, as it began to expand and, and the, the concept of the process began to spread, you started picking up casual fans who also thought, huh, all right, now it's starting to make sense because now we're getting better guys. And now the fact that the team is looking like they're supposed to take this next big step 
you're getting more of the casual Philly fans, and you're getting more of the the mainstream Philly fans that want to be part of something cool and want to be part of a winner. They're now jumping on. So now instead of it just being the snarky process crowd, of which I would consider myself a part, you're now getting full-fledged, you know, paint-your-face Eagles fan, Sixers fans, uh, firing back on social media. That, mm. I think... I, like that is part of this. I disagree. Uh, I disagree with you. I th- that's okay. we you are, can be wrong. We, we just, are getting those people, but I think it's it is the it's the, the hardcore the, process people who are the loudest. They've also been emboldened. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. That's, that's well. Here, so so for the last four years that I've been at Bleacher Report, I've covered like three or four NBA drafts, three or four NBA seasons, and every year I would jokingly talk about the Sixers, and they'd be like, "Guys," they'd be like, "Left go, like shut up," and I'd be like, "No, like this, the Sixers. This is all part of our play, blah blah blah." And the Sixers have always been the punching bag. Always. And we've been treated much like NFL community treats the Cleveland Browns. Oh, you suck again. You suck again. You're a joke. You suck again. But the difference is, is that we don't have Jimmy Haslam running it. We don't have like a, 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 this like vortex of losing. We had a plan. And now we like our plan was to lose. Like it was always to lose, to win. And so for people to say it wasn't going to work, just by the law of like gravity it, and the law of normal force, it was going to correct itself. What is the equation for normal force? Man. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm well, just it's kidding. funny. I actually it's brought a, that up. It's a new law. I, I appreciate you inventing well, a law. <laughs> no, it's, no you don't, normal force is the thing that balances out gravity. Oh, that's like a thing? Yeah, it's a real thing. Oh no shit. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Continue. Because I was explaining I was explaining on, on yeah, Sims Lefko drink that um that I am such a mush in terms of betting NFL that people are wasting my talents because sixty one percent of the time I'm giving you the winner, except I'm calling them the loser. So stop wasting my talents. Uh but for the for the NBA and the Sixers Dude, like everybody, like I worked with Rick Buecher. He hated the fucking process. Rick Buecher, oh. Like he shitted on the Sixers every time. And I jokingly, because I'm not insane, I look at him and go, Rick, when we get good, I'm going to rub this in your face. Like I'm going to rub it in your face. And we would laugh. Please do so. Please, for the love of God, do so. Because Rick Buecher, who I used to like, you still should. It's not a, like, this isn't all real, Russ. Yes, it is. It's still real to me, Adam. I just want to thank y'all for all y'all put your bodies through. No, old pro wrestling thing. Never mind. Um, tell Rick Buecher <laughs> that the next time he decides to send out a stupid tweet about how the Sixers process is is a fraud and that the uh, the New York Knicks really have a plan, can you just like go ask him about that now? I just want to know a few years after the fact. Oh no! So feeling, I saw him a few days after. The, uh, I saw him a few days after retweet Armageddon got him. And it was like How last year and I went up to him and I was like, dude, he looked at me and he goes, your fans are the fucking worst. And I was like, what happened? Yeah. And he was like, he was like all night. He's like, I had to turn off my phone. He was like, <laughs> he's like, it just wouldn't stop. And I was like, yeah, he goes, I don't know where they found this tweet. Like, I don't know how it happened. And I was like, well, dude, like you put him out there. And he was like, I know, but like. And he was like, you guys are just fucking crazy. And I was like, dude, you brought this upon yourself. And I sure. was like, welcome to the Thunderdome. Guys, I got to go, but really quick. Um, What's your season tonight? prediction? 
Uh, I put it in Slack. I think it's I, – I, I could see them going – Russ literally asked if he can give six different predictions. No, I said – I said, do literally. we give Pull six – Pull No, no, no. I said, do Please. we give six different predictions because, like, based on health? <clears throat> I'm going to go 46 and 36. They get the fifth seed because I think Embiid is going to be healthy enough. I think Simmons is going to be awesome. I think if J.J. Redick knocks down threes at even close to the rate that he did in preseason, which is an inhuman uh, uh, rate – I think some of the younger guys that are that are uh, going to be getting minutes, I think the TLCs of the world are going to uh, end up doing pretty well. I would expect Stauskas to be traded at some point, which means Korkmaz might come up. Whatever. I, I think 46 and 36 would be probably the absolute best-case scenario. I could see them getting a fifth seed. Um, do you guys think they win tonight? That's the last thing I want to know. No, they, they beat the Celtics on Friday. But they lose tonight against the Wizards? Yes. Yeah, they win tonight. I just Adam. want Joel Embiid to block this shit out of John Wall. I'm going to say loss. I'm going to say 38 wins Ooh. and battling for the eight seed. Kyle, how many wins? Uh, I haven't determined yet. No, Kyle, you need to do it right now. We put our prediction out there. Throw it down. Yeah, I, I literally prepared zero seconds for that. So. 40. 48. You're going to split the difference 42. between me and Adam? Yes, nope, you 42. actually did. You, you literally, <laughs> you literally the found the exact you middle. The exact if you could have picked 41 and a half, you totally would have done that. Pick All right, middle. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm looking forward to when I listen to the rest of the pod, and by the end, Kyle changes that two more times. Russ, what else should we talk about? Uh, how about the fact that Zeke is back in? They upheld his suspension again. He got another temporary This is my order. favorite Russ movie. He's like, I'm going to go. And every time we're like, Rush, okay, just, you know, like say, I'm going to go and hop off. But your your move is saying, I'm going to go and then changing the con- changing the well, topic. No, well, I literally you know, just Adam, Adam literally just said, what do you want us to talk about? So I'm saying throw that out like, for later. Hey, guys, but, uh, I, I want to go. But let's talk. But before we go, could you guys make sure to talk about worldwide genocide before I sign off? Okay, bye. That is, Wow. Uh, that that was a lot. Do you that really was, want us to talk heavy. about worldwide genocide? Uh, please don't. Russ, why would you bring that up? Why am I getting pegged with this? No. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only bringing that up because Russ. Kyle clearly didn't hear me ask you what yeah, should we true. talk about. Uh, All right, guys, well, talk to you later. Wait, we're still, the, uh, on the, the last thing on the Sixers fans thing, um, I think the next thing we're going to have to watch out for is – the process, and this was a topic, I think Miss Anelli or, or someone on the radio, I saw tweets going around about it yesterday, I had the topic about bandwagon jumping and if people are allowed on the bandwagon now. It's not a bandwagon. It's There's a generation of people who are in their early 30s who have really never had a chance to root for a professional basketball team with the exception of three years of Allen Iverson. So it's not a bandwagon. It's the fact that there hasn't been anything worthwhile and what you were left with were only the most hardcore of hardcore fans who were willing to not only put up with losing, but actually <clears throat> embrace and watch four years of arguably the worst basketball team and professional basketball team intentionally assembled in history. Yeah. And what you're going to start to see now, I'll be interested to see how this plays out, is some of the hardcore process folks being resentful of mainstream fans. Oh my God, it's going to be intense. And I, I think it's going to be totally, I don't know this. Maybe maybe they're more accepting. I do think Sixers fans are kind of easygoing and now for the most part happy that their team is getting the spotlight. But the people who were the most hardcore Sixers guys 
tend to skew a little bit hipster, tend to skew a little bit nerdier. And when they start getting the mainstream bros. You weren't watching during Hollis Thompson. Exactly. And I think that's totally the unreasonable take because if there's ever a team that any fan base, you know, every team goes through ebbs and flows. And the Phillies right now are obviously people have called their fans bandwagon fans. And, you know, no, Philly's a great sports town. Um, All sports towns are like this. But Philly – because we have four teams that kind of are interchangeably good, we tend to gravitate towards the good one because for the last 20 years, there's only been one really good team at a time, and it's made sense. But, I, like, the Sixers have been, were so bad that you were – it's not that you didn't have basketball fans. Like, I for, – for a while, like, Villanova was my number one team. I love basketball. My dad loves basketball. But, you know, and I'm sure there's many people like this, watching the Sixers was just a waste of time for decades – decades and now those people are going to come back and i hope the process folks don't start to get pissed when they realize they are no like they're not the majority of sixers fans anymore it's going it's a philly thing they're going to be a national team they talked uh chris heck told philly.com with ben simmons and joel Embiid and dario sarge and furkan like they're shooting to become an international team and the 700 process hardcore process folks who own twitter it's not going to be their team anymore, and I I hope that is handled well. They can handle it like one of two people, and Russ, if you're listening, this is for you. They can either ha- handle it like the, the king of the White Walkers or Cersei Lannister. If Spoiler they're Cersei, no, it doesn't matter. If they're Cersei, the, what happens is the Sixers fans are coming back from the dead that there's going to be a large portion of Sixers fans that were dormant that are going to be roaring back. I was there, all that stuff. Cersei would go, you were against us. You'll always be against us. I don't care if you're a zombie or living. You're not with us. Whereas the White Walkers are just going, you were dead and now you're back. Come and join our crazy militia. So that's what my thing is for the, the craziest of the Sixers fans. They could either go look around at what the Sixers are right now and how huge we are because and, and go, these can be more of our militia. Like if they want to do retweet Armageddon's about anybody, about like anyone that doubted them, it's going to be even more so. And they could be even stronger. And then they, they could build their brand even further. Or they go, you were, or they do like the kind of curmudgeon. And my thing is, is that is the expected way to go. That's honestly where I would probably go to. If I was the hardest of hardcore, my first inclination would be screw you guys. But my second inclination would be more in the Kyle Scott mold, which would be how could I monetize this? But also, <laughs> and then my third inclination would be, my third inclination would be, um, no, let's let, let's figure out a way to make this work, because you don't want to get upset at people that are supporting the same thing that you're supporting. My question for you would be: My girlfriend's brother put on Facebook last week. He's a, he's a Knicks fan. I think my new team is going to be the Sixers. Uh, they look really good. And I said, I don't know if he could jump on that bandwagon like that. He might have to put in an application. Um, I'm okay with sleeping Sixers fans waking up. 
I don't know about other teams' fans. But then again, like, screw the Knicks. Like, if we could take a fan, I'm down. No, see, I, I, I disagree. Yeah, I mean, I could take one from another team. If you're a Knicks fan and want to be a Sixers fan, go fuck yourself. But if you're just a casual NBA fan and you're like, hey, you know, a lot of people have glommed onto the Warriors over the last few years, I'd be fine with that. The Sixers are really building themselves, positioning themselves to become that team. I think it's very intentional the way they're going about things. And with guys like Embiid and Simmons, they might have the right personalities and and superstars in the pipeline to do that. And the way sports fandom is going, the way the NBA is going, um, it's everything is moving towards fans of the individual and the whole provincial thing not totally. I think it's there's a lot of hand wringing around this where people are like, "Well, you know, city boundaries are gone. You just root for your fantasy players." I think that's a little overblown. However, there's something to be said for that in terms of especially winning over new fans because if you're a kid in uh, Skokie, a barbershop quartet in Skokie, Illinois, you know you don't have to root for the Bulls or the Pacers. You could just put on League Pass or watch TNT on your tablet. And choose the team that you like watching because so many of the games are televised, and you could you could pick a team like Sixers. I'm fine with that. I go tour. I go to like my Villanova fandom. I started there in 01. It was Jay Wright's first year. I know people are probably rolling their eyes at this, but bear with me. They weren't very good. They sucked for three years. NIT for three years. They I almost didn't make the NIT one year. And then you know over the next 12 years, they've been in the tournament what 10 or 11 times. They've been a number one seed multiple times. You know, they're they're a genuine national team now. They won a national championship. And for me, it's like I am thrilled. I am thrilled to see that like Nova Apparel sells to people that aren't from around here. That I I want there to be more Nova discussion on Philly TV. I want you know, like for me, it's better because you're now you were on the ground floor. I went to every single one of those games in those five hundred seasons as a student. And it's like I watch bullshit road games, bullshit NIT losses. It feels good to be like, hey, I'm a true fan of the team that everyone likes now. And I feel like I don't know if Sixers folks are going to go with that. Case in point, here's a tweet at, uh, literally a minute ago uh, from Alex Smith, who is the Eagles, one of the Eagles Twitter's guy for the actual Eagles. He tweets <clears> – <throat> Also, obviously, a Sixers fan. He tweets, I am one with the process. The process is one with me. I am one with the process. The process is one with me. I am one with the process, comma, encouraging other people to hit the refrain. Like, I feel like these people, and this is nothing against Alex, but like, I feel like people who tweet those sorts of things are not going to be happy when they go down to the Wells Fargo Center and there's groups of 28-year-old guys who are going out with guys from their office to a, and they're all wearing Sixers hats and, and wearing Channing Trust the Process. These people, I don't know if they're going to take it right. And I'm like one foot in do. that group of people. Like Russ is I fully know. in. I think I'm, I'm, I was a hinky guy but wasn't a hardcore process guy. Like, I've always been arguing for hinky my like whole life, it feels like at this point. Um, yeah, but you know what? Like... My my thing is this is um, maybe it's just because the way I've interacted with fans for like a long time, just from like a broadcaster role, which definitely changes it because you're, you know, when you're in local news, like you have to go and interview the fans. You know what I mean? And you're like, all right, who's the craziest son of a bitch in here? Um, I I am so excited to just watch good Sixers mm, yeah. that like the whole discussion and the fandom and all that stuff like. 
I'm really, I'm just going to, if it gets to that point where it gets a little rough, I'm just going to start drowning it out a little bit because I'm just so excited to put on the game and watch a good product. And I hope we get a lot of Embiid and I hope that the fucking bullshit minute restriction, as he calls it, uh, they eventually loosen it up sometimes. Like I'd like it to be a flexible thing where if it's like a big game and he's playing well, don't take him out. Uh, if it's a crappy game against like the Hornets or something, whoever is going to stink, I don't even know. The Knicks, I don't need to see him in there the whole time. But I just want to see good basketball. I want to see. I want to hear Brett Brown positive after games. Uh, I want to see, you know, like um, I, I just want to see the goodness. And uh, I, I don't. I've gone through so much bullshit to wait for this team to get good that I'm not going to ruin the good times by by focusing on who wasn't there for the bullshit. You know, it's not it's not exclusive. Like if a lot of other people start rooting for the Sixers, it doesn't negatively impact my rooting for the Sixers. You know. Oh no, I totally I totally agree and, with that. And and to your thing where it's like we we have all this the Philadelphia thing and Miss and Ellie and Eskin like I would like it to reach a point where you don't have to get jaded. I also would wonder if we could ever have like some people in the media in Philadelphia that don't have to shit on people all the time. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I grew up in Philadelphia talk radio where it was like uh you have to like make a stand. You're either a you're either a McNabb guy or a Vic guy. You know, like, and I understand that I'm inherently negative in that discussion, but do we have to always blame somebody? I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of that was born out of that era of sports talk radio where you had. Do you think sports talk could exist without shitting on somebody? I do, yeah. And I think it exists in, quite honestly, uh, the sort of thing we're doing right now, the sort of thing, uh, you know, like BGN podcasters and Spike are doing. I think you'll see all this stuff start to become more mainstream because, you know, the format, we've talked about this, we don't have to go into it, but this, the format of Sports Talk Radio is just, you know, you, you wanted to braid callers. Now, you know, that doesn't need to be the case. You could just have good conversations, and if people like what they hear, they'll, they'll stick with it. And if you're 45 minutes into this podcast with us, then you like what you hear, and you'll stick with it. And we don't need cheap tricks. Um, hey, are you with the process? Are you cool with fans hopping on board? Give us a call. Um, you know, you, you don't need to do that stuff. So I do think that will change a little bit. To their credit, the rights to Ricky Sanchez guys, uh, Spike and Michael Levin, back when retweet Armageddon happened. Um, everyone hopped on it and I hopped on it and then I aggregated some tweets and there was a small part of me knowing hardcore Twitter people getting upset being like, Hey, wait, you're not, you're not part of retweet Armageddon. You're not allowed to post about this. Believe me, like there are people out there who will tweet you those things. And I was kind of not worried about that, but I was kind of expecting people to be like, dude, don't try and make this your own thing. And I wasn't. It was like, hey, this is interesting. Let's let's call it out. To their credit, Spike and, and Mike talked on the their podcast right after that about how they were kind of thrilled to see other people, outsiders, random people, our site, you know, they, they mentioned Crossing Broad, like picking up on this and how it was kind of surreal that this started as a little back channel hallway thing and now it's it was becoming mainstream. And you have people with blue check marks tweeting the hashtag retweet Armageddon. So um, to the credit of those guys, at least, I think they're okay with people coming on board. It's, um, you know, it's, it's just some of the, the actual fans who 
who might not put up with that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and, and in all in all seriousness, <clears throat> those two guys need to be shouted out more because what Spike and Michael have done, and not even just what they've built, and not even just what they've created, but the fact that they were doing podcasts during the entire time, like there's a difference between casually talking Sixers and breaking down Carl Landry. And I think for them to do that for that long, they deserve all of the good shit that comes their way because, um, I mean, look, we all paid attention, but there's a difference between paying attention and doing an hour-long podcast about what's going on. And I think that they should be proud, and it's dope. And I think as Sixers fans, like, look, man, I'll never forget that rush of that Iverson team. And I'll never forget feeling that mediocrity about watching those Sixers teams in the years afterwards, just always being a seven or an eight seed and thinking, what the fuck is the point? Like, I remember that hopelessness. And now to be in this position where we seemingly have the pieces and God willing, they stay healthy, but we have these pieces that other teams are looking at, like to hear Zach Lowe, Talk about Ben Simmons and be like, this is incredible. Like when he's running down the court, it's like an unstoppable force. Like that's a Sixers player. Like I haven't heard that in forever. Like even our best player in the last 20 years, Allen Iverson, had a fatal flaw. He was a great player to watch, but we knew we couldn't win with him. And now to have completely reset the culture. And to be almost at that season and for our timeline to seemingly be matching up so perfect with the rest of the NBA, it's incredible. And I only want positive thoughts. I only want that great shit because this is not a, we were here first. You know what? Like, let's get the city back. I'm tired of the Colin Cowherd bullshit Philadelphia takes. I'm tired of the non-having of championships. Like, I am so excited for this city to not know what the fuck to do when all the good stuff starts happening. And I know that the flyer sample size is small. And I know that the Reese Hoskins sample size is small. And I know that the Carson Wentz sample size is small. And I know that this Sixers young core sample size is small. But gosh darn it, it looks fucking good. And I am super excited to celebrate when it gets real good. It's a good point about Iverson. I think as much as we all loved him, not only did he make it tough to build a team around him, but he had character issues. And we, we kind of love him for it in hindsight, but there were genuine issues. He had the owner, you know, the owner had to come in and sit him and the coach down. He didn't like the practice. There were real problems with Iverson. And as far as just an on-court game, um, you know, he, he dominated the ball. He was a little bit, a gimmick player is the wrong way to describe his game. I know that. But he was a video game player. Um, and yeah, like it, it's nice that, that the Sixers are building a truly good team because again, we may not have had one in 30, 30 plus years. The other thing you mentioned about watching good basketball, to me, that's the most important thing. And that's why I think, there's an analogy here with the Phillies. I think that's why they've fallen so far off because they were so good for about seven years or, you know, even before they made the playoffs for about, they were competitive for about three or four years before that and in the hunt. And that's all it really took to get momentum back. And it's like starting in 2012, they just completely, that trade deadline when they traded Victorino 
they just fell off a cliff and they've been off that cliff since. And at no point since then, if you really watched a game thinking you were watching a team that could even compete for a playoff spot. And that's pretty much been the case with the Sixers for a while. I don't count competing for an eight seed in the NBA as being truly competitive. And I think what we're moving towards, when you watch those games last night, you realize how entertaining NBA basketball is. And we haven't had a team that has been truly, not even a title contender, but truly competitive or building towards something in a long time. And I think more than anything, more than the prospects of winning a championship, is the fact that we might be getting a team that eighty, you know, 82 nights per year will be playing games that are meaningful, that are entertaining, that they can compete with the Cavs and put on a good show, and we haven't had that. I think that makes a huge difference when you at least have a team like the Eagles right now. They're probably not true Super Bowl contenders. But now they're now it's like, hey, we got a team that is they're a top ten team in the league. They're they're fun to watch. We're watching real competitive football. And we haven't had that with basketball in a long time. And I think that more than anything is important because Philly fans can now tune in and watch real NBA basketball. It's like it's like we've been a minor league team for so long. Oh, we have. I mean, look, I know that those guys have the list of all the guys in the shirt, the Henry Simses of the world and, you know, all those guys. And it's amazing, finally, that it's come back. But uh, I do think the Eagles are a top five team. Yeah. I, they, but I also, want to say, I also want to say this, Kyle. I've never – this Eagle – this NFL season is so wide open that if you really look at the last few years, you could pick the AFC and the NFC champions very early on. Or you could at least last year go, okay, the Cowboys are going to be good all year. The Patriots are going to be good all year. The Falcons are going to be good all year. I have no idea who's going to be good. No idea. And it should be really interesting with the Eagles. But they're one of the few consistent teams thus far. Two things are scaring me right now with the Eagles. Um, One is more in the short term and it's 10 days off between games 11 days off this happened to them to a degree last year with that bye week after they started 3 and 0 sure they're playing so well and to give them a long break and then what their bye is in is in 3 weeks after that so you get the Redskins and 49ers in short order on a Monday and Sunday uh, I'm sorry 3 games they have 3 games after that all at home and then you have a bye and it's like you know they're playing so well I hate to see these two long breaks in the month of October. Or, uh, I agree. Middle of I October, agree. early November. I do think that Thursday night breaks are a little bit different than buys, but I do agree that it's scary. But they have the Thursday slash Monday following week, so they get even an extra day in there. Yeah, my uh, thing is more of, God, I hope Doug Peterson learned from last year about how to like coach these guys during the break. I think so. But, and yeah, I hope so. To your point about... Um, like to, you don't know which team is good. I, I'm always, maybe it's just the Philly fan in me, but it's never the big teams that seem to get us. Oh, well, maybe it is. But how many memories do we have of a Carolina Panthers or a Tampa of a Southern team? Right, a team that no one, not that we didn't expect them to be good. But when you look at it, you're like, okay, well, we got the matchup we wanted here. We didn't get the big-name, big-market team. And that's what scares me. Like, I'm afraid the Eagles are going to lose a second-round playoff game to the Rams. 
You know, because you look at it now, you're like, oh, great. You know, the Falcons are down. The Cowboys are down. The pa- Aaron Rodgers is out. This is great. And then we were like, okay, well, the Ram- we can beat the Rams. And and then we get a home – we throw a home turd up to the to a team like the Rams or, I don't know, the Redskins right. in the playoffs. That's – I always take pause at that because we look at the schedule and we're like, oh, we don't think these teams are good. But there's probably teams out there who kind of look at the Eagles and are like, well, this is fool's gold. And yeah, exactly. I don't know. I'm looking right now, and I'm trying to figure out this team. What is their Achilles' heel? So, the only thing that I, the the thing that I could really see right now is just teams that could get our corners on an island, and it's teams that can like pack it in and go man to man and just go fifty fifty balls up to our wide receivers, because I think our offense. Um, <laughs> My offense scares me. Our offense scares me more than the defense right now. Like a team that could really stop the run, I start going, man, our, our wide receivers could be able to win. But, man, I mean, Darby should be coming back. I really don't see a weakness right now because I don't think you could just pal the Eagles. And I don't like, I don't see any teams right now in the NFC that I go, they're a really dangerous running team. I guess it's really going to come down to what's going to be the deal with Dallas, their offensive line, will it improve, and Zeke. But I think the one team that scares me the most, Kyle, is the team we're playing Monday night. Like, I think Washington is a really scary team for us. Like, I don't – I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we beat them on the no road. I have no idea. Uh, I know. Looking at the schedule, I mean, really, the Raiders are the one team that has two pretty good receivers. Oh, they stink. They do they stink. stink. Their offense stinks right now. It Their does, offensive coordinator, I don't understand. That team broke records last year, and they fired their offensive coordinator. Their defense sucked, and they kept Ken Norton Jr., but their offense, and they and now Todd Downing has been calling awful games. Awful. It's so funny how difficult the Eagles' season looked beforehand and now how manageable it looks like currently. What? It's just... It's more more talk to what you say every year, which is season predictions are stupid. Um, I, I've always said that. They always go, they have the toughest schedule based on last year's records. And I'm like, who the hell cares about last year's records? They're inconsequential. But, but you know, when you look at their schedule, though, starting on November 5th with the Broncos game, that's a that's team a that can stop run. the run. Then you That's have, a really difficult team. Then you have two weeks off and you get the Cowboys, which I'm – that's Sunday the 19th. I'm assuming that is, I guess, no, probably not the week before Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving early this year. I have no Doesn't idea. matter. Um, but, you know, the early December is a slog at the Seahawks, at the Rams, back-to-back. We the, talked, Sunday, the 19th game is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Okay, so you got the Cowboys coming up. It, obviously, the Cowboys-Eagles game is big, but you – I like getting the Cowboys a few days before their big Thanksgiving game. I yeah, like, that's cool. but the Seahawks on the road is tough. The Rams on the road, two teams. Seahawks tend to be clicking quite well by early December. That is a you're right. Crazy That'll, tough game. That's a tough road game. The Rams is going to be a tough road game going back out west, wedged between. Like, are they going to stay out there between the Seahawks and Rams game? They're back. There have been a few teams that have done that this year. I would think they have to. And then they have to come back the next week before Christmas. I know the Giants aren't good, but playing in New York. They'll be tough then. Two straight West Coast games in New York. Giants are going to bounce back. 
They are. They're, they're not going to be like competing in an 0-5 hole, right. take them out, but they will be a team that's just going to try and be fucking up people's seasons at that point. Right, and you're never as bad as you seem, and they're going to have a little bit of revenge, and they're going to want to take down the rival, and like that, that to and me... we should have lost to them when we played them the first time. Right. But That's but the season. God, God bless. It could be. Those three games. Because, you know, the Eagles after that Giants game, I know we're doing the, the Sports Talk Radio thing, but the Eagles after that Giants game have the Raiders... At home on Monday on Christmas night. So you got two West Coast games. Then you have yeah. what appears to be an easy game on the road. And then you, you know, you're looking forward to Raiders Cowboys to end the year. I, I'm the Eagles need to go two and one in those in those three games somehow. Yeah, so this is why when I see that was it Anthony Gargano said the season would be a waste if they don't go to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. Did I see uh, that? Missing Ellie. It's just lazy. It is. It's not real. It's not real. I I don't understand how you could be a sports fan for that long, and 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 look if if it's goading callers in, like I get it. I just think that it's like such a bullshit take when when you can really figure out ways to like break this stuff down on like a daily level and like have really good conversations to like. Make some like opus statement like that and like try and like draw in that reaction. I don't know. It's just, it's unnecessary. Yep. It's just, we can have such smarter conversations than that. I agree. I Hyperbolic agree. nonsense. But anyway, I agree. You've already, you've already taken money out of his pocket, so we shouldn't talk about it anymore. Yeah, that's true. Did you, what were some of the responses you got? Um, once that kind of went more mainstream, um, you know, not not that much. I think so many people view like okay, it was the Sunday night show. Like so many people, that it's a non. Okay. The, the show doesn't even exist. So I think at first people saw fired and they're like, oh my god, you got Mike Missinelli fired, and they're like, oh okay, it was just his Sunday night side gig that nobody watches. And even Mike said it on the air. He's like, no one even asked me about it. I guess no one watches the show. I don't know if anybody watches them or not. Um, so I don't know. There was, really wasn't much of a reaction. I, uh, you know, I, there's a part of me that feels, I, I don't feel bad for, I, I don't know. I feel bad that someone lost their job over it because I don't think it was, it was a fireable thing. But I think ABC is owned by right. you know, Disney, and he said something about Beth Moens, and, and they had to do what they had to do. And he was hosting it with Jamie. It's a rough, it's a rough headline. Was hosting it with Jamie Apodi, who's a woman, so you, yeah. you can't. It's a bad spot. But I do, I do kind of feel bad um, that <clears throat> you know, I don't know. I don't want to see someone lose their job, especially with something don't like think, that. It was a dumb. Yeah, take, I also, I also don't it. think that you were directly responsible. Well, no, but um, I I know for a fact that the um, that their um, reason I'm trying to think their it our post is what brought it to their attention. Um, gotcha. So so they're not listening to their own people. Or no, that was NBC. Not no. Uh, I mean, he said it in the so. middle of a show on like a Tuesday, and it went under the radar, and then. A couple of people on Twitter pointed it out to me. And then when we posted about it is when a lot of outlets picked it up. So I, I don't think, no, I do not think. Yeah, I never want to root for anyone's like money or their jobs or their livelihood to get fucked with. And that sucks. 
It was a dumb comment. Yeah, it was. And that, it was. you know, damn. Um, all right, cool. Friday, Friday. Everybody get ready. I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. All right, that was fun. Uh, I'm enjoying this. Friday will be fun to join us then. For Kyle, for us, I'm Lefko. Holler.